rather be falling in love. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus was the best thing I ever done. Falling in love with Jesus. Oh, falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. It's the best thing I have ever done in His arms. In His arms, I feel protected. In His arms, never disconnected. In His arms, I feel protected. There's no place I'd rather in His arms again. In His arms, I feel protected. In His arms, never feel disconnected. Oh, I feel protected. There's no place I'd rather be. One more time, falling in love. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love. Amen. Falling in love with Jesus. There's no place I'd ever done. Amen. I just forgot the song I was going to sing. Um, let's sing that song, Change My Heart, O God, and see. Change my heart, oh God, make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God, may I be Yeah. 
I be like you? Let's sing that again. Change my heart. Change my heart, oh God. Make it ever. the potter you are the potter real and I am the Singing, I 
time singing I love you. Singing I. Don't you love him this morning? Amen. Singing I love you, Lord. Singing I love you, Lord. start the service. Amen. Singing I love you this morning. Amen. I want to welcome you uh, each and every one to the service. We have a few visitors here. Um, so it's good to have you all. It's good to see Sister Jewel. She was my uh, cornhole partner in uh, South Carolina. It's good to see her here. God bless you. God bless everyone else that's here. The LaFontaines. Good to see them. Um, we're going to go to the Lord, in a word of prayer, let's, um, if you could play that song, Bring All Your Needs to the Altar, Sister Becky. Uh, we've got quite a few um, prayer requests this morning. We want to, uh, Brother Andy Irish has an unspoken prayer request, so we just want to bring that before the throne. Uh, the drums are not feeling well. Uh, our Sister Judy Arnold is... Uh, is sick. Um, Sister Jackie, uh, where she works at, uh, there's a baby there uh, named Jojo uh, who's having surgery. So we want to remember, she's having surgery on Friday, so we want to, she asks that we remember that in prayer. Um, the Buchanans are away. Uh, Brother Tom and Sister Kim and Peter and Sister Rachel are away on vacation, so we want to remember them. We want to uh, remember a couple serious prayer requests. Uh, Brother Robert Douglas uh, from Brother Ray Erickson's church is actually on a ventilator, so we want to remember him in prayer from the, the virus. And uh, Brother Jason DeMars uh, from Brother Jason Watkins' church is in the hospital in ICU from the symptoms from the, uh, the virus as well and uh, so we want to remember him in prayer we all have needs amen it, it doesn't matter whether they're actual physical spiritual uh, they may even be financial but there is somewhere that we can go to amen that I am very thankful this morning for that uh, a lot of people that I work with they go through the same problems that we have, and they don't have somewhere to go. And I am so thankful this morning that there is a throne that we can go to and we can throw ourselves on, amen, and ask for help. Amen. As we sing this, I'm going to ask Brother Jaron if he would come and open the service in a word of prayer. So bring all your needs to the altar. We'll bring your needs to the Lord. Wherefore He is so. Soul- 
bless you. Man, let us bow our heads together and take these special needs to the Lord in prayer. Amen. Gracious Lord and Heavenly Father, Lord, we approach your throne in humbleness of heart, God. Lord, we just open our hearts to you in this moment, God, asking you to come in, Lord, to search us and to know us. Lord, I pray that you would chase away any doubt, any lingering fear, Lord, any sin that or iniquity that would beset us, God. We ask that you would forgive us, Lord, of our sins, our shortcomings, Lord. We, yeah. we live in this sinful world, God, and it constantly tries to pull us in our minds away from you, Lord God. I pray, Lord, in this moment that you would just chase away every spirit that would try to hinder the moving of your spirit, Lord God. Father, I pray that you would deal with each and every heart, Lord, I have before me, Lord, a list of prayer requests, God. Lord, I pray you would be merciful to these needs, Lord. We think of that little baby that has to have surgery, God. Lord, would you be merciful to that situation, Lord, and move on the scene, Lord. Great healer, Lord Almighty God, I pray that you would heal that little baby, God. Lord, if he has to go under surgery, Lord, I pray that you would guide the hands of that physician, Lord. Folks that are traveling and away from our assembly, Lord, we remember them and we think of them, God. That you would be merciful to them to bring them back to our assembly, Lord. All of these ones suffering with this sickness going through the land, God, the different churches that are dealing with this COVID virus, Lord. Lord, let not your people be sick, Lord. I pray that you would just drive away the sickness from amidst our, our church families, Lord God. Lord, I pray that each one would recover quickly, Lord, and let them be stronger for the, for the future, Lord. Lord, we just commit all the rest of these into your hand, Lord that you would be merciful to each need, God. You know each and every need. What's in our hearts, Lord, those that lifted their hands for unspoken requests, Lord. Lord, you see deep within, Lord. You know and you know how to divide even to the spirit, Lord, and the soul, God. Lord, I pray you would touch and meet that need, Jesus. Lord, touch the minister this morning. Speak to our hearts, Lord God. Speak to my heart, Lord Jesus. Lord, we need a touch from you in this moment. We ask it in the name of Jesus, and we commit the rest of this service into your hands. In the name of our lovely Lord Jesus, amen. 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 Turn and shake hands with those that are around you. Welcome them to the service, and then uh, you may have your seats. It's nice to... Uh, seeing the uh, the fall colors and it not being 85 degrees when you come to service on Sunday morning, so it's nice to see. I want to sing that song, It Is Well With My Soul. Aren't you thankful it's well with your soul? Amen. Like we were saying before, Brother Jaron's prayer, no matter what is happening in the earth, amen, things are changing, things are upheaval, I'm thankful that no matter what, amen, it's well with my soul. Amen. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, what
to sing this verse again. Verse 3. I, I love these words. My sin, not in part, but the whole. Amen. I am so thankful for that. It wasn't because we're perfect, and it wasn't even he saved a little bit of us. He saved the entire part of us. Amen. And covers it all with his blood. I'm so thankful for that. Let's sing that one more time. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glory, the stock. Will my sin not impart, but the whole, hallelujah, will his to come at this time. And as soon as they are done, uh, Brother Gideon, if you could just make your way up uh, for uh, you and Sister Gabby for a special. Brother Andy, if you could ask the blessing on the offering. Exactly the song I forgot. Sister Becky, let's sing that. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. Right now. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. Right Bow my knees 
cannot keep it quiet This holy fire's burning inside of me I cannot hold it inside I cannot keep it quiet This holy fire's burning inside of me Oh, I've been touched by your fire So let the whole world come and watch me burn Oh, shout it from the rooftops Shout it till everyone has heard This holy fire's burning inside of me. Oh, Jesus has changed my life. His name be lifted high. This holy fire's burning inside of me. Oh, I cannot hold it inside. I cannot keep it quiet. This holy fire's burning inside of me. I cannot hold it inside. I cannot keep it quiet. This holy fire's burning inside of me. Sing it with us. Oh, I've been touched by your fire. So let the whole world come and watch me burn. Yes, Lord. Oh, shout it from the rooftops. Shout it till everyone has. the Lord. God is good, isn't he? Amen. Amen. I think that's a wonderful, uh, wonderful way to start. Uh, Let's sing that little uh, chorus, if you don't mind, and um, I'd just like to just begin and have a word of prayer. Uh, So let's just sing, have your way, Lord, have your way, and uh, we welcome all of you to the house of the Lord this morning here together. Have your way. Just make it your prayer now and just open your hearts and your minds to whatever God has for us today. Let's just do that together. Have your way. Yes. Have your way. Holy Spirit. 
have your way as we Father, we thank you for this opportunity we have to be able to gather in your house today. Lord Jesus, living in a world that's falling apart, falling in all over the place, Lord, it's just wonderful to be able to come and see a kingdom rising, Lord, and to realize that we are a part of that kingdom, Lord, that one day will be established in this earth, Lord, never to fail again. And Lord, I pray that you would just minister, Lord, to every need as, Lord, only you can. We can say words and we can sing songs and we can worship, Lord. But you are the one that quickens that word. And you're the one that is the healer today. You're the one, Lord, that brings answers. And you're the peace giver. And, Father, we just ask that you would just come and move on the scene, Lord, in every heart and every soul. Lord Jesus, we thank you and we ask your forgiveness upon anything we've done or said that may in some way have grieved the Holy Spirit. And, Lord, we just give you the day. Like Brother Andy prayed, Lord, we just pray that you would wrap your arms around this assembly today, Lord, and in our worship today, in our communion and our fellowship, Lord. Everything we do, may you receive glory and honor and praise, we pray. We ask these things not as we are worthy, but in the wonderful name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. Welcome to the house of the Lord. Uh, just a... Uh, want to say just at the very beginning, we are, thank you musicians, it'll be just fine. We uh, have our uh, day today set out before us, and uh, we're going to have uh, an afternoon service at 4 o'clock. It'll be our communion service. We do not record or video or stream the communion service, so that'll be at 4 o'clock, and then after that, we'll uh, have a little fellowship uh, outside and in the fellowship hall. Uh, we're going to change a, a little bit of the order of uh, the communion foot washing tonight to keep it as safe as we can uh, in this age. And uh, every one of you certainly are uh, welcome to uh, come along with us. Now, <clears throat> um, I, I wanted to uh, just remind you that we have uh, our fall festival coming up here November 13th. And... Um, I realized as we were planning this, I was, uh, Morgan, good to have you back. Haven't seen you in the Coons age, and good to have you here today. Um, in talking with, uh, you know, in, in, with uh, the Harwells and planning and different ones that we're uh, speaking about in the Fall Fellowship, I realized there's a lot of you that have never been to one and had never seen, never actually been there, done that. And so I thought I'd take you back a little bit along uh, the past to show you some of the scenes of previous uh, fall fellowships. Brother Joseph, good to have you this morning. God bless you. And uh, so follow along with me here as, as uh, we do this because the, uh, the fall fellowship is one of the sweetest events that you'll ever, uh, you'll ever experience. And some of these pictures are just absolute classics here today. I'm sure you'll, uh, you'll recognize some of these folks here now. Uh, one of the things that we can't, uh, we can never have a gathering without good music. And uh, so this was one of the years when we did this in the fall here. And you'll see some folks that are common uh, through this. And 
I just, I just love these pictures of Matt back there and uh, found another one here. And I thought, wow, that's a, that's a classic, that one. This is a, a stage that was made by Brother Wayne, the King of Pallets. And uh, he did that on the back of his truck and, and uh, built a platform for us outside in the back there. Now, there's some folks in this picture you might recognize as well. This is a little while back there. And I uh, thought this is a great one. So we, we also can't have a gathering in this church either without good food. And uh, this is Brother Luther with his smoker, and we still have the smoker. And this is Brother Luther's son, Bob, who uh, uh, was coming to church with Luther back then, and, and uh, we were doing a smoking back then. We are a church who smokes. And uh, this is further up the road here. And uh, some of the dinners that we've had in the fall have just been real special events here. You'll recognize some of the folks in, uh, in these pictures here. And uh, this is just a while, uh, a while back. And, and these are uh, from 2010 on upwards, and I don't have all the years there for them. But we also do lots of different activities, and we've changed up the activities over the years. And uh, these are just some of them that we have here. I, I particularly like the knife throw and uh, also the hatchet throw. Uh, the coffee boys were into the hatchet throwing here, and uh, that was uh, 2011, I believe it was. But one of our favorite activities here is the sawing contest. And we have two of these saws, but Jaron's going to take care of sharpening them up for us uh, this year. So we'll have uh, the log sawing contest. And uh, uh, that's always, uh, always a fun event there, for sure. And uh, this, is, this has been fun. One of the other things that we've done in years past, too, is the hay hay throwing contest, the hay bale throwing contest. And i got to appreciate Steve's zeal there in uh, getting that out there. Now, one of the years we had an unusual contest, which was the sisters over here, and they had to wash socks and hang them out to dry, and they had to change babies, and they had to do all kinds of things, in, like in pioneer days. And I don't remember all the rules of that, but I got a picture of the winning team, and here they were, uh, the Shingle Hollis sisters. They won that one, and and I got the trophy. We still have the trophy. We're going to resurrect it for uh, this coming uh, event, and um, it, sh- it should be good. Uh, this is um, some of the things that we've uh, done there with the uh, bow shooting and uh, apple, uh, apple making and uh, pumpkin rolling. Uh, hard to tell what, what actually will take place. But all of that is just a precursor to this, and this is one of the most... Uh, exciting and dangerous events that you'll ever participate in, and that's the annual HBT pie contest. And uh, if you enter the pie contest, you better be ready to mean business because it it gets pretty serious uh, over the years. And uh, we've had some classics, that's for sure. So uh, you'll get information about the pie contest uh, as we go forward here, and uh, you have about a month uh, to prepare your pie. Uh, for the for the pie contest, and over the over the years, we've had some uh, classic judges and uh, some some really interesting people involved in the pie contest, and uh, it's been quite a quite a serious event. You can tell by Sister Carol's face there, and uh, it's quite a serious event. Now, I just want to say this: that uh, I don't know where our church got this uh, sense of competition, the competitiveness that's in our church. I don't, I've never figured that out uh, at all, but I will say this, that uh, the coffee boys uh, really have won so many pie contests that 
I actually kind of encourage the boys to back off a little bit. You give someone else a chance to win. But nevertheless, we came home with lots of gold uh, from the pie contests and, uh, over the years, and it's just been a lot of fun. And there are prizes for all of these events here that we've had. These are just some of the winners uh, over the years. Sister Jackie swept in one year and just took the gold, and uh, that was a big year for her. And even some of our other sisters won some of the uh, pie contests there and uh, had a great time over the years. Here's another year, Sister Haley. Uh, like I say, it's just something about the coffee family just runs, <laughs> runs in there and Got some real real classics, real good winners there. So um, Peter has a whole wall, I think, dedicated to first place ribbons on the, on the um, pie contest. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Jeff is never a judge, but he always got in the pie contest, and this is one of the pictures of him here sampling the goods afterwards. Anyway, we just want you all to be ready and to come on, and uh, our fall festival is a... Uh, just a fun afternoon that we're going to have on the 13th. So I realize a lot of you folks haven't, uh, haven't been there, but uh, it's, it's just a time when uh, we can let our hair down, uh, any of us who have any hair to let down, and uh, we'll see what happens this year, but we're looking forward to it. All right, we'll switch PowerPoints. Let's stand to our feet this morning and let's take our Bibles, if you will, and let's look in the Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. <clears throat> We're still digging through the archives to get some of those pictures that, um, that are classics that we're going to show you here before, uh, before the 13th. So we've had a lot of fun over these years, but we missed a few years uh, over, uh, the, well, the last couple. We haven't had... Uh, fall festival, and just, I think, more because of scheduling than anything else, but uh, Lord willing and weather permitting, we'll be, we'll be able to get together and do that. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we're going to look in two places this morning here. We're going to go also to 1 John uh, chapter 3, but if you don't mind, let's look in 1 Corinthians chapter five and uh, 15, sorry, and uh, use this as a guiding principle this morning. As we have borne the image of the earthy, the natural man and the natural uh, genealogy of our parents and our forefathers, we also shall bear the image of the heavenly. First John chapter three. First John chapter three, and I'll have you turn to that one. Verse seven. 1 John chapter 3, verse 7. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he, Christ, is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth not. Sorry, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. And for this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Verse 9, Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. And may the Lord add his blessing. You may be seated this morning. A 
October 17th today is Brother Dennis Shepherd's birthday. The Buchanans are up there with uh, the Shepherds and visiting with them, so we wish uh, Brother Dennis a uh, happy birthday. Today, October 18th, sorry, October 18th is Brother Joe Drum's birthday. And uh, the drums are not here today, not feeling well. October 20th is Brother Roger Clavel's uh, birthday. We wish Brother Roger all the best. And then uh, October 22nd is Rose Wright. And October 23rd is Ethan McCann. How old are you going to be, Ethan? Really? Wow. That's wonderful. Uh, I wanted to show you a picture here. And uh, it's already been mentioned that uh, Brother Tom and uh, Brother Peter and their families are away. Uh, they're headed, they were headed down south in South Carolina, but yesterday they went aboard the USS Yorktown on their way in Charleston. So this is a picture of Tom yesterday, and uh, 53 years ago in October, Brother Tom uh, left his uh, post on the uh, USS Kitty Hawk, and he had sailed and uh, fought in Vietnam, and uh, it was 53 years ago in October, and so yesterday they were able to go back on the aircraft carrier, and it was a, a big moment for Brother Tom and a special, uh, special time for him. All those Navy guys, they stick together pretty good. This is a, a, a picture of the Kitty Hawk right here on the lower right, and that was the ship that he served on. It's not commissioned now, uh, but uh, that's the ship that he served on for uh, several years. And um, he and his wife met while Brother Tom was in the, in the Navy, so this was a, a special treat for him to be able to get to go on the aircraft carrier yesterday. All right, let's, uh, let's turn our thoughts to the Word here this morning, and we want to uh, just do a very quick review and blending this in with some of the things that uh, we want to bring this morning by the grace of God. Now, um, we know that in Scripture, it's kind of an elementary thing for us to say that we are commissioned to be like Christ. We are, as Christians, we want to be like Christ. How many would agree? That's a goal, isn't it? We want to be like him. But Brother Bannum tells us very clearly, Sister Tracy, good to have you with us today. Uh, with uh, both arms still attached, good to have you. we certainly been praying for you after the accident. May God bless you. And uh, good to have you. Sister Jules, Sister Teresa, good to have you with us today as well. And uh, may the Lord bless you all. Now, uh, as we, as we uh, have heard, and I, I've quoted to you many times, Brother Branham made the statement, he said, uh, we're not called to be like him in, in, in a physical sense. We're not called to be like him by growing a beard and wearing a robe and walking around in the streets. That's not how we're supposed to be like Christ. If we were to be like Christ that way, that would be an easy thing, wouldn't it? Just hand out the robes, and, and uh, you know, that wouldn't be a hard thing. But that's not how we're commanded to be like him at all. In the same way that uh, I don't believe that we're commanded to be like Brother Branham. Uh, I, don't, I don't believe that we are to impersonate him. I don't believe that we're, uh, you know, to mimic him or to parrot him. I don't believe that that's our, that's our uh, commission at all. I don't think that's our responsibility at all. Uh, Brother Branham was called for a very unique job, right? He had a very unique ministry. He had a very uh, specific biblical uh, uh, job description. And uh, he came to this earth to fulfill that uh, commission right from his birth. We know it was an unusual situation, as, as you could go back and look at all of the prophets and the messengers uh, through the ages. But I don't find anywhere where uh, we are commanded at all to be like Brother Branham. Right? I mean, I will tell you this, that knowing a little bit about ministry after 35, 40 years, I... I know that I know enough about ministry to know that I would not want to have the kind of ministry that he had. 
Even though you may think that's a glorious and a, and a grand thing, and, and it certainly obviously was a great and mighty ministry that he had. And I'm thankful that he fulfilled uh, the prophecies that were written about this last day prophet, but I'm glad he did it and not me. He paid quite a price to, to be in that position and to fulfill all that he fulfilled. I will, I will guarantee you that. And his family paid quite a price as well. And, you know, you're going to have to take it up with God if, if you have a problem with Brother Branham being a man. He truly was a man. God made him that way. Right? And so Brother Branham made mistakes. He had failures and faults like everybody else. But uh, God used him in a mighty way, and we're thankful for that. But I, I, I'm, not, I'm not commissioned anywhere or told anywhere to be like Brother Branham. We're told to be like Christ, but not in a physical sense. But neither also do we want to be just impersonators of Christ. We are not, we are not just to act like him so that, uh, you know, we can say certain words and dress a certain way and uh, appear to be like Christ and, and, and to be a Christian. That's not, that's not what God's interested in it at all. As a matter of fact, I think God is smart enough to realize that he knows really what's going on underneath your skin. Right? Because God looks at the heart first. Not, he doesn't look at your head. and he does, He's not impressed by our speech or anything else. He looks at the heart first. And if the heart is right, then God gets interested in that person. Right? God knows that person. And, and, and that's, what, that's what matters to him. And uh, we, we, we therefore have to realize, and again, this is elementary, that uh, we, are, we are rather, as Christians, we are rather... Uh, more like Christ as we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. And, and as we obey the word and we allow the Holy Spirit to uh, express Christ through us, and, uh, and, and if, if you like in the biblical language, to put on Christ. That's what we are to do is to put on Christ. We're to, we're to add, uh, we're to fertilize that seed that lives within us. We don't have to, uh, we don't have to, uh, you know, get a a rule book and go by that. That's not the idea. Uh, Really, the idea, and I've told this to many people who have been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that uh, this is really all about the quickening of a seed that God's already placed there. You don't have to put the seed there. It's already there. It just needs to be quickened, and then it needs to be watered and fertilized. It knows what to do. Every seed I've ever seen go in the ground knows what to do. It knows what to become. It knows what to look like. It knows how fast to grow. It knows how deep the roots need to go. Everything seems to be programmed in a seed to know what it's supposed to do. And I don't think it's any different with a child of God. If they're a seed of God, it knows what to do. You just need to water it, fertilize it, keep the weeds away, and let it express itself. And it'll become exactly what God intended it to be in the first place. Expression is all about what... Uh, this life really is as a Christian expression is what uh, God is looking for. He's looking for you to express the nature and the character of Christ in this world. And I think that's becoming more challenging today than ever before because our world is so filthy and so, uh, you know, so uh, contrary to the ways of Scripture. It's harder to express Christ. But nonetheless, our commission hasn't changed. And so therefore, uh, there are definite reasons as to why we are the way we are and why we conduct ourselves the way we are. Uh, it's not because that this is just the way this church does it. Uh, it's not just because uh, Brother Branham brought new rules and new doctrine to us, and so we just line up with that, and when somebody else comes, we line up with that. That's not the idea at all. It's really just allowing Christ to live in us in this age that we live in. And he planted us here, and he planted something in you that he wanted the world to see. He, he planted something in you that he wanted the world to see. 
And, and we know that this is not about you gaining merit so that you're going to get into heaven. It, it, this, let me tell you, if I understand it right, that's already a done deal. He already described you on the Lamb's Book of Life. And if you're on the Lamb's Book of Life, your destiny is not in question at all. But in this earthly journey, he's, he puts something in you that he wants to express in this life. He puts something in you that he wants you to do. He's got a purpose. He's got, a, he's got an ordained path that he wants you to walk on through this life. <clears throat> and it's really something that, uh, you know, as we've talked about how Jesus was the express image of God, it's amazing how that he came unto his own and his own didn't know him. Brother Branham says that he was rejected because they weren't trained in the word to know him. There, there are certain things in the word that teach us how to recognize Christ and how to, uh, how to see his works and how to recognize that it's God actually doing things. One thing is for sure that the thief comes to kill and destroy and, and to tear down and to break up, right? A thief comes to do that. That's what Jesus taught us. And so when you see those things happen, when you see uh, divorce and when you see uh, sickness and when you see a breaking up or tearing up of a family or a marriage, then, then you know that that's got the stamp of Satan all over it. That's not the work of the Holy Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit is to heal and to bind and to, and to restore. How many believe that God's a restorer? Uh, he, when, when, when you see somebody coming to a, an experience of salvation, that's got, that's got the stamp of, of Almighty God on it. That's what, that's what he does. That's who he is. And, and the people back in that day, they didn't recognize Jesus because they weren't trained in the word to know them. They had lots of training, but their training didn't do much good because their training was not word-based. And so our, my function, my, my, uh, my desire here is to help uh, look at some of these things in the Word so that we can know Him and then deal with some of the struggles that we go through. Because this is the scripture that we started out with, that uh, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spoke in times past by the fathers, uh, by, in the, unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son, whom He hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also He made the worlds. And this is the way Paul describes him, who being in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. The express image of his person. Sister Karen, good to have you here uh, today. The express image of his person means that the, the expression and the author of that expression are no different. In, in this, this is the only time that the Bible captures this phrase and uses it this way, is that when you're looking at the expression, you're seeing, you're seeing the essence of the one who created that in the first place. There's really no difference. All right? That's the idea. It's, in a, it's not just a reflection. It's not just an image. You can look at my boys. You can, uh, I, 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 I was looking at some of the pictures of some of the kids in these, uh, in these uh, pictures I showed you at the fall festival. And let me tell you, there's lots more. And, and some of the older young people that are here, they were, you know, 10, 11 years old. And my, you look at that, that gene pool in those families. You look at that set of genes. It's pretty strong. It's pretty interesting. And you could say that, well, my boys, they look like me or they act like me in certain ways, which is a bit of a problem, but they, they, they reflect me. And I reflect my father. I, I, get, I get a lot of advice from people. Probably the main piece of advice I get from people is, when I get among a crowd, people will say, watch your face. Watch your face, Dad. My boys tell me, watch your face, because your face, your face sometimes gets you in trouble, and you don't even know it. 
I remember one time Steve told me a little while ago, he said, I was at a camp one time, a family camp, and a bunch of girls came up to me, and one of them was quite upset. And uh, Steve said, what's the problem? And he said, your, your dad said something to me, and he hates me. Now, I think, really, I, I don't really believe that, but I, and, and it wasn't true. I didn't hate the girl. I don't even remember the, the incident here. But I think it was just those young girls wanting to come and talk to Steve. I think that's what the issue was. But you don't. You never met my father. You didn't know him. But you know we were a very straight-faced family. I don't know where that came from, but we we are that way. And you know, Dad could tell really funny things, and most people never knew that he was actually being humorous. And uh, even when we get together today with with our family, when the prison lets us all out and we're all together, it's it's a really it's a really unusual gathering because we're not a uproarious laughter type people. We can have a lot of fun and no one really knows that we're having fun. It's really interesting. But we are an expression of dad and, and we're an expression of that, of that family tree. Now, this is a little bit beyond that, all right? This is not just, uh, you know, like a La Fontaine strain, uh, you know, which is pretty strong. Right down through the ages, there. It's not. It's not just a similarity. It's not just possessing certain characteristics. This is an exact replica. This is a, this is this is not a partial thing. This is an express image that he's talking about. So Jesus was right when he said, "When you've seen me, you've seen the Father." This is what he was referring to. This is what Paul is picking up here. That that Jesus actually was the brightness of his glory. The Jewish Bible says it even uh, just a, uh, in, in a great way. And let's just drop down to verse 3. This sun, this sun is the radiance of the Shekinah, the Shekinah glory of God. This sun is the radiance of the Shekinah, the very expression of God's essence, upholding all that exists by his powerful word. And after he had, through himself, made purification for sin, sat down at the right hand of the Father. And so this is, this is an express, an exact uh, expression of who God was. That's what Jesus was. And that's what we are called to be. And I will tell you that you'll never learn that in a book. You'll never come to church long enough to figure that out. You'll never see enough Christians to uh, impersonate them and become an express image of God. You'll never do it. Let me tell you how it happens. It happens by a person going through a new birth and having an encounter with God and then allowing that seed to begin to grow in you and express itself so that uh, people see Christ in you. It, it's not something you can put on. It's not something you can uh, establish yourself or figure out mentally at all. It's not a mental process at all. It is rather a supernatural process that actually develops another another person inside of you that expresses itself in word and in deed. And people, uh, you know, people look at you and they realize, hey, I may not, uh, you know, I may not have it all figured out, but you're not like everybody else. You're not like the world. You're not like uh, people who are scrambling out there to find peace and rest and they're trying to take drugs and alcohol uh, to try to soothe their anxiousness. Uh, you're not like people who uh, want to go and change the government. You're not people that get involved in natural things like that. You don't have earthly pursuits and wealth and uh, fame like the rest of the world. You don't have any of that, but you seem to be a, be a very happy and content people. I would have to say amen, because we have something on the inside that's very much alive, and the hope that we have burning within us is greater than anything this world can offer. 
And we believe that one day soon we shall step into that world. We believe we're on our way. There's something in us that drives us to that world. There's something in us that drives us to that place. There's something in us that's at work in us that we didn't start, but we just want to give in to. We want to yield to and obey the voice of that uh, life that's on the inside that brings us closer to the cross and brings us closer to the kingdom all in the same breath. I don't know how you can, exp- I don't know how to explain that really. I don't know, I, I you know, I don't know how to uh, lay all that out uh, and make it sensible to somebody who's not born again, but you really can't do it. I just say this, that you just got to experience it and then you'll know what I'm talking about. And, and that's really the only way. I mean, I, I, I just, I just feel like I'm compelled. I feel like I, I'm, I'm being driven. I feel like I'm being, uh, you know, driven and pulled at the same time. How many can say amen? We feel like we're being driven and pulled at the same time to get to a place that, uh, you know, is, is invisible to, to us naturally, but very real because it speaks to something on the inside. Now, we, we, as we have mentioned, there's a, a time stamp in here that when he shall appear, the Bible says we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. So in that, in that last hour when, when God appears in a way that he has not through the ages... He will reveal himself in such a way and uh, manifest himself in such a way that there will be people on earth who will see that and that will be such a powerful thing. It will begin to transform those people and we'll actually be more like him right to the very end until we cross over. And I believe it has to be that way because uh, we are a people who will get to that kingdom without death. And so there's no waiting period for us. It's a step into that kingdom. I believe I'm preaching the people who are going to make that final step. And Brother Branham says that as well. And I just want to add this part to this, that uh, when he shall appear, we shall see him and we shall be like him. But Brother Branham also tells us, and, and in several places here, I've got three very quick statements where he says that all of this really is depending on a bride knowing her position and taking her position knowing exactly who she is and where she should stand. And I will tell you that out of that position comes authority. And we'll, we'll, we'll come to that in just a moment here. Now, But Brother Branham says, now what are you going to do when you get all that group of born-again people together and the revelation is perfectly in harmony and God expressing it through his word by the same actions and the same things that he did making the word manifest? What are you going to do when you get all those believers together? What are you going to do when you get, uh, when you get a, a room full of, of uh, unity in the faith? And, and that's, that's a, a great goal for all of us. What are you going to do when you get that group of people together and there's no one-upmanship and there's no competition and there's no doubting and there's no discrepancies and there's no shadows? What are you going to do when you get a group of people like that? And I'd say this, we should be very close to that. Can you agree? And, and if not, why not? We should be a people who are very close to this when you get all these same people together in harmony and God express. I mean... What are we waiting for to become unified with one another? What are we waiting for to get together? You can see that in our world, the devil is trying to push us apart, right? Try to separate, to try to isolate. The devil is doing that. But I will tell you, there's something greater in the people of God that want to get together and to be able to fellowship and communicate no matter how it takes place. No matter how little group has to be, there's something about the people of God that want to get together and they want to fellowship together. And, and there's really not enough power below the earth or on this earth that's going to prevent that from happening. I believe God's people assemble together in faith. They assemble together around the tree of life. And that's what we're, I mean, that's just who we are. 
right? It's not pumpkin uh, tossing and, and uh, axe, axe throwing that gets us together. Uh, those are all fun events on the side. But we are, we are a people, we are a church, we are a body because of the common bond that we have. And that is this, that Jesus Christ died for all. And we are a part of Him. We never joined anything. We are a part of Him. And He's just expressed us in the earth. And now we live out our part in our age. And Brother Bram said, what are you going to do when you get that people together? I'll tell you what, we should be able to worship, that's for sure. We should be able to worship, and not just for 30 minutes before the preacher comes out. We ought to be able to worship right through the service, right after the service, right through the rest of the day, right through the communion, right through our conversations with everybody, and right through the week until we come back again to get charged on Wednesday night and back again. Our life really should be a life of, ex- of the expression of the worship for what God has done. If nothing else, we know what God has done. He has saved us. He has taken away your sins. He's removed them as far as the east is from the west. Did I say something wrong? He loves us. He chose you. He predestinated you. That in itself is is reason to give him praise. That's reason enough to raise our hands and to thank him for his, his goodness to us. Tell me what you did to deserve his goodness to you. Tell me what you did to, to gain his honor and respect. Tell me what you did to make him, you know, to catch his attention and say, whoa, now there's a guy. Hey, listen, uh, uh, like I told you before, when you look at my history and my past and my pictures here, when I showed up at your door, they put all the children back in the back room because they didn't want to have uh, me around at all. I was a very questionable uh, kind of a person when I was in the world and when I came around. Now, some people still kind of feel that way. But nonetheless, I think that it's, that, that it's easy for us to all look back in our past and realize we did nothing really for God to merit or pour out his grace and, and to go to the cross on our behalf. What did you do that caused Jesus to go to the cross? I mean, what, 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 what impressed uh, him in your conduct, in your former sinful life that said, wow, he's such a great person, I'm going to go to the cross. That's not why he went to the cross. He went to the cross because he knew we were lost. He went to the cross because he knew that in our condition we could never save ourselves. That's all very elementary. But Brother Branham said, what are you going to do when you get that group of people that have that burning revelation in their heart? What are you going to do when you get all them together? I'll tell you what, there should be singing. There should be rejoicing. There should be uh, praising. There should be hand raising and hand clapping. There should be people that uh, are quick to give God praise and quick uh, to thank him and quick to say amen. That's, that's what should happen when you get that people together in harmony. We're all, we're all different. We're all come from different backgrounds. You're all under different kinds of stress. You're all going through different things. You've all got a, you know, half of you got assignments tomorrow and half of you got to chase the people that have assignments for tomorrow. Right? And we have jobs to go to and we have places that we have to be and, uh, you know, appointments that we have to make. And I mean, we go right back into normal life when we leave this place and we leave tomorrow, today and go into tomorrow and every, and we don't know what tomorrow holds. But I will tell you this, that in our hearts, there's a peace that passes understanding because we know the Prince of Peace. I'll say this like uh, Brother Evans said, and Brother Danny gave me the sermon by uh, Brother Evans. I'll say this, that, you know, there's so many people that are quick to criticize Brother Branham, and they've even developed websites to tear down some of the things that he said. And you know what? Like I said earlier, uh, Brother Branham was a man, and he was subject to mistakes and uh, human passions, just like every one of us. But Brother Branham did this one thing. He led me to Christ. And when I got to Christ, there I found the perfect one. 
And it doesn't really matter about, you know, the, the wrinkles and the, and the blips in Brother Branham's life. Because I'm not following Brother Branham. I don't have my faith in Brother Branham. I don't have my worship for Brother Branham. Brother Branham led me to Christ. And now that I'm in Christ, I can understand Brother Branham. And I can understand you. And I can understand me. The great thing was that he led me to Christ. Not that he led me to himself, because if we were just being led to Brother Branham and we saw his faults, you'd think, wow, I'm worshiping a fallen Savior, a messed up Savior. And that's not true at all, because Brother Branham never led us to himself. He led us to Jesus Christ. And because I know him, I'm not worried about the world says about anybody else. Because you know what? They can say all kinds of things about Brother Branham. They can say more about me. They can say more about you. But that doesn't matter, because we know Christ. They can try to bury you. They can try to criticize you. They can try to uh, shut you down. Uh, you know, the devil can try to blow you up. Hey, listen, you know what? It doesn't matter because we know Christ. And if he's got his arms around me, if he put my name on the Lamb's Book of Life, it doesn't matter what this life does to me. It doesn't matter what the crowds do to me. It doesn't matter what governments do to me. It doesn't matter what Satan tries to throw at us. You know what? We know Christ. And, and, and I'm thankful that Brother Branham, in, his, in my experience of encountering his ministry, that's what led me to Christ. The Holy Spirit used that ministry to lead me to Christ. Christ was the destiny, not Jeffersonville. Christ was the destiny. How many can say amen? Christ was the destiny, not, uh, you know, not HBT, but Christ is the destiny. And if you're unsaved here today, I don't think so, but anyone is, but if you were unsaved here today, then your destiny is not to become a part of this, to be a member of this. That's not it at all. This is just where we worship temporarily while we're on our way out. What we want to make sure you get to is Christ, not to Brother Barry and not to HBT. We want to get you to Christ because if you're in Christ, everything else can change. Everything else can fall apart. Everyone else can die. It doesn't matter. If you're in Christ, you're going to be okay. If I know you're in Christ, you're going to be okay. Even if you don't win the pie contest, you're going to be okay. It'll be all right. Because you know what? I mean, I, I don't need to, I'm not going to surprise you by saying this, but things are going to get worse. Things are going to get stickier. Things are going to get tighter. Things are going to get, uh, you know, more tense and more worrisome as we go ahead. There's going to be a lot of things that uh, you're not going to have answers for. And there's a lot of things that are going to happen that I'm not going to have answers for. But you know what? There's not a thing going to happen that he doesn't have an answer for. And I just need to be sure that all of us are, we got our hand in his hand. And that, I, that, that's, that's the point, isn't it? I mean... It, it's, it's not necessarily that you worship here or there or somewhere else. But, but this church, Brother Branham said, if this church only knew its position, who we, who we really are, what family we're really from, what is my, what is my origin? My origin helps me to, to, to know what it is that I can, I can do, and my origin also determines my destiny. And Brother Branham said it will one day, and you get that group together enough, and they worship enough, and they, they're revived enough, and, and they, they go through... Um, they, go, they experience the right teaching and they experience the right exposure to the Word of God. Let me tell you, the rapture will go. They'll take off. You won't have to force those people to go to heaven. It'll just be another step for them. They'll be so in tune with God. It's just another step. Take one more. All right, one more. Here we go. Uh, as long as we know it's His leading, as long as we know He's got our arms, His arms around us, hey, take another step. Yes, sir. Off we go. That's all it will be. It won't be a huge journey that we're on. I believe we're on our way there now. How many believe that? 
rapture is a process. The, the change of our body is in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. But the rapture is a process. How many believe that you're in the rapture right now? You're in that rapturing faith process right now where God's building, building, building. And, uh, you know, it, it, it should be an exciting thing because when you get that oh, group of people together and you realize, well, it's not just me. We all feel that way. What's the creation groaning for? It's the manifestation of the sons of God. It's waiting for the church to become into its position. That's what everything is waiting for. That's what everything is depending on. That's what, that's what all Israel is waiting for over there. They're just biding time until we find our place and then, you know, the rapture goes and then God turns back to Israel over there. He says it again. Watch this. In Recognizing Your Day, 1964, he said, National force put Israel in her homeland. National force will put the church in the World Council of Churches. I'm glad I'm not in that group. But notice now he says national forces. National forces consist of governments. They consist of military. They consist of uh, municipalities and, uh, you know, people who are making decisions about other people, governing authorities, kings and rulers. They're the ones that, uh, you know, allowed Israel to go back in our homeland. And, uh, you know, the British were involved in that. The United Nations were involved in that. Uh, national forces or world powers put Israel in our homeland. Russia's a world power, China's a world power. All these different entities in the world are forcing different, uh, you know, people in different places there. But he says, but the power of God will put the people in the bride. In other words, national force has nothing to do with where you're supposed to be. National force will never bring you to where you're supposed to be. An army or a government or a law will never position you where you're supposed to be. As a matter of fact, I would have to say that laws really are designed to take you away from where you're supposed to be. Because governments are controlled by Satan, right? Right? Not that everybody in the government is satanic. There's a big difference now. The world forces this way, the world forces that way, but God forces upward. I say, God, let that force come. Let that force be exerted on us that we can go upward. The Spirit of God, which is the Word of God, my spirit, my words are spirit and life, will put the bride in her place. Notice that again. The Spirit of God, which is the Word of God, my word is spirit and life will put you in your place. However that has to operate, however that expresses itself, that's what's going to put you in the bride. That's what's going to put you in your position because she'll recognize her position in the word and she's in Christ. That'll put her in her place. So let me tell you, there's something very valuable about sitting underneath the preaching of the word. There's something very important that God included through the foolishness of preaching. To the foolishness even of preachers. How God chose that method, that conduit, to be able to express himself. And by that, it puts you in your place. It's not the government that's going to put you there. It's not the mayor of Hickory that's going to put you there. <clears throat> that's not it at all. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's not the United Nations that's going to all of a sudden pass a law <clears throat> that is going to allow you to you know, uh, be stronger in the faith than what you were yesterday. Not at all. <clears throat> he goes on and he says, <clears throat> adding to this, <clears throat> that didn't do any good. No national force <clears throat> will do it. No national force. But the national force did drive Israel to the homeland. The national forces of the Council of Churches will drive every organization into it. But the power of God will raise the bride in the glory. I say, Lord, bring on the power. Bring, let, that, let, that power let that power come. 
Oh, people, recognize your day. As Jesus warned you, uh, the sign of Sodom and the church's condition of its day, there are forces that are, uh, you know, causing the world to, to be like it is. There are spiritual forces. There are national forces. There are government forces that are all making the world uh, be like it is in, in, the, in the condition that it's in. But remember now, all of that exists not to move you anywhere. It's the power of God that's going to move you anywhere. Okay, well, bring on the power. I, I say bring on the power. Bring on whatever it takes. If, if that's what's going to put us in our position and take us in the glory, bring it on. But now you've got to understand what Brother Branham said about the power. Hang with me here. As we see the days darkening and the shadows falling, and I predict, he said, this is a few turns of the nation, a little time, and the nation's gone. We see the condition of time, people, politics, and the condition of the world. It can't stand. <clears throat> it's got to sink like the Titanic. It must go down. I'll tell you what doesn't make a lot of really uh, big headlines. In, in, if, you, if you're a follower uh, of the news, which I wouldn't encourage you to be one, but if you look at the news, very little of the headlines that jump out at you are about the current real economic situation in this world. Because you know what? No one wants to know. What, you know what most people want to know? How can I get my Christmas list completed before the shelves are empty at Walmart? Do we need to take an offering to send Brother David out to Los Angeles to unload that ship that's full of Target goods and have it come back? Target has its own dock crews. Just like Walmart and Amazon, they have their own dock crews that are all the equipment to unload those containers and get them on trucks and get them over here and, uh, you know, have them distributed in our stores. I'll tell you what, that's what a lot of people are worried about, whether we're going to have enough turkeys for Christmas. <clears throat> we don't want to hear about the real situation, as the real situation would scare the gizzard right out of you. Who's, who's going who's gonna to jump up and down about that headline? No one is. But if you read down, read down the fine print, the back page, the place where nobody would go to look, and you start to see what some of these smarter people are saying about, um, don't you have to pay back what you borrow? I mean, money that accumulates in quantities that begin with T. Not M or B, but T. And you wonder how long this can go on. Right? You kind of wonder how long this can go on. So here's Brother Branham in 1964, and he says, it can't stand. It's got to sink like the Titanic. Now guess how the Titanic sank. It sank with nobody believing it could sink. It sank with everybody believing this ain't real. This ain't happening. And I live in denial. Right? Every one of them. I mean, they were, you know, they were playing the music. Uh, they were going through the motions there and all of the, the, you know, the lifeboats and everything else. A lot of them thought for a long time that, hey, uh, this, this isn't real. This isn't really happening. This is just a drill or something else because we were assured that this would not fail. Just like people have been assured by politicians over the years that America will not fail. Our economy will not fail. You know, China won't do this and Russia won't do that. And, uh, you know, we're solid, we're sound, and we've heard that a lot of times in order, uh, people have said that in order to get elected. And they did. And a lot of people are still believing that. However, we've had a prophet that came along and said something different because the Bible said something different. 
And I'm not trying to ruin your day. You're saying, hey, I came here to be encouraged, Brother Barry. I came here to say amen. I'm just telling you this, that no matter what happens in this world, go back to my former statement and say, what we have been led to is stronger than any economy and any amount of savings in the bank and any amount of social security you'd ever receive. Well, who we have been led to is your place of safety. It's your place of rest. There's no one going to be exempt from the end of the Gentile period. There's no one in the Gentile world going to be exempt from the judgments that strike this world. There's no one going to be exempt from that. Whether you're, whether you're handsome or whether you're male or female, doesn't matter. Uh, whether you're high up in society or low down in society, uh, take a selfie of yourself and look at it. It's just really dirt. Right? Sorry. I mean, some of you are handsome dirt. Some of you are pretty dirt. Some of you are rich dirt. But you know what? You're all dirt. And, you know, we, we think, well, as Americans, we have some sort of monopoly on what? Dirt? Hello? I, I, and I, I don't mean to make light of this because, you know, after all, the Titanic went down. I grew up near those waters. My hometown was the nearest town to the sinking of the Titanic. And I, you know, you can go down to uh, Pigeon Forge down there where Gideon uh, lives mostly. And you can go down there and they have the Titanic Museum and they have a place there in the museum where you can put your hand in the water and feel the temperature. Have you ever been? And feel the temperature of the water the night the Titanic sank. You can go down and put your hands in it and feel how cold it actually was. That's the temperature of the water I grew up with because we lived in Newfoundland, an iceberg alley where all the icebergs went down. And uh, I mean, that's the way it is. The way it is all the time. It's never warm. Never warm enough to swim up in Newfoundland. But we did it anyway. But when the Titanic sank, they had icebergs bobbing around all over the place. And, and these people got a feel of that water. And whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, this is, this is serious. And so the, the reality the reality dawned very quickly. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't like they saw this coming. This was a very quick process where they went down. And this kingdom, he says, must fall. And every other kingdom. This kingdom and every other kingdom. The Saudi kingdom. The oil kingdoms of this world. The military kingdoms of this world. All of them, he said, must fall. I'm reading what he said. Just saying what the tapes say. And he says, all, of that's, all those kingdoms are going to fall to give room for another kingdom that's coming, which cannot fall. Amen. Kingdoms falling, kingdom rising. Kingdoms falling and one kingdom rising. For we receive a kingdom that cannot be moved through this perfect image of God, the masterpiece. Wow, God is actually molding you and shaping you and fitting you for that kingdom. You're not being shaped to to fit here. You're not being shaped to be uh, popular here or to fit in, plug in here. Uh, You know, if you went to, if you went to, you know, uh, run for office, for just for example, you went to run for office, or you, uh, uh, you know, I, I mean, a lot of times I don't know how you do this, but a lot of times, you know, I'm talking to people maybe in business or something else. You call and you're ordering something or. Uh, you know, you're just doing some business or the doctor's office or, you know, whatever else I call. And oftentimes I say, all right, thank you. God bless you. And I often say, God bless you, because that's what I say to all of you. Right. And, you know, a lot of times I talk to believers. Right. So I'm talking to unbelievers on the phone. And I'll say, yeah, thanks very much. God bless you. And they're like, whoa. 
what is that? And then I realize, oh, and I'm not going to apologize for that. And some people will say, oh, God bless you. Wow, you know, just amazing. You're being groomed for another kingdom, not this one. You're being groomed for another place. You're being groomed for another life. That's why you get happy about things that the world might not get happy about. And, and the phrase, like the Titanic, doesn't scare us because we're not, uh, we're not in the going down part. We're in the kingdom rising part. You always got to remember that, that even though we're, we're mixed in, right now we're mixed in. We're not in the going down part. We're in the rising part. Remember this, that all of that is going down to make room for you to rise. And as it, as it goes down, there's, there's room for you to rise. And God wants you to rise, rise high, rise strong, and, and be intentional. Because, uh, you know, there are, there are certain things that God wants you to possess, and God wants you to do, and, and God wants you to enjoy while we are rising and, and, and we're moving into that, into that kingdom and into that place. Do you believe that? So here's the statement that we began with. When God thought of me, I was thought of before the foundation of the world. My name was put on the Lamb's Book of Life. So was yours before there was even a grain of sand. And here's the important part, that God thought of me. I was thought of before I stood here in a body. I did not need to be in a body for God to know me. I didn't need to be in a body. I needed to be in a body for my father to know me, my natural father. But I did not need to be in a body for my heavenly father to know about me because he saw me uh, even before there was a grain of sand. And how many knows that? He says, then in God's thinking, we were born right into his kingdom. God, God predestinated you and purposed you for this kingdom uh, here. One day there came a body through a holy wedlock, my father and mother, and they sired me. And here I am, William Branham, represented in a body of flesh. That's obvious. Now, you know me as William Branham, a man. But God knew me as William Branham, an attribute, a thought of God. And now an expression an expression through this old body that was sired by my mother and father. Now, here I am as a son of God, a child of God, an express image of the Father. And here I am now expressing him through this, through this veil of flesh that I have. How does it happen? It happens a couple of, uh, you know, we, we say it happens through the new birth. Let's, let's look at the, what the Bible says. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you as my father has sent me, so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed upon them. When he said that, he, he breathed upon them. As my Father has sent me, so send I you. Because I'm here on a mission. I'm here on a purpose. I have a commission that's given to me by God. And in the same way, I commission you. I'm sending you out. This is not just missionary work or ministry positions here, but this is now you as a Christian existing in a world that is hostile even to the principles of God, but nonetheless, you are to represent him as you go out. So Jesus breathed on him and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost, and whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them, and whosoever uh, sins ye retain, they are retained. It's a powerful thing. These are people going out as ambassadors for Christ. These are people who are going out representing the kingdom that you're birthed into, right? And Jesus symbolized this inclusion in the kingdom and the power you need by breathing on them. You know what? God only breathed on one other person. It was Adam. And when he breathed in Adam, guess what? He became a living soul. And Adam came alive. He had life in him. He had, he had a thought process in him. And you know what? When Adam came alive and he and Eve existed in the Garden of Eden, there was no, uh, there was no death. There was no, I mean, we don't know of any arguments. We don't know of any disagreements that took place before the fall. 
We don't know of any fights. We don't know of any death. We don't know of any sickness. We don't know of any problems. We don't know of any heartache. We don't know of any tears until the fall came. All of that stuff is symbolic or characteristic of what happens when a people fall. When mankind fell, now we have the introduction of all of those negative things that I uh, mentioned there. But when God created Adam out of the dirt, and after all, we're all dirt, and God created that, uh, that image there and then breathed into him, Adam became alive. Because that was the Spirit of God, that was the breath of God that was in him. And I would tell you what, that once God breathes, in, 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 God breathes that breath of life in you, there's nothing really that is better than that. You're on your way to becoming successful when God breathes. Some of you are looking at me, really? Did he just say that? Are, are you preaching a prosperity gospel? Because the moment you say uh, success, people think mansion on a hill, mansion on a hill. I'm on my way, big cars, big house, big garage. I, I will tell you what, that for a people of God who are born again and have the breath of God in them, they may have a mansion on the hill, but that's not their pursuit. That's not their passion. They may have multiple vehicles, but that's not their passion. I will tell you about that, people. They are, they are alive inside. And that's what's important. They have a vision, they have a purpose, and they are alive inside. They are living intentionally with God and for God, and they have a destiny and they have a purpose, and they have relationships. They have relationships that are strong. How many would agree? When you're a Christian, when you're a, when you're a believer, I'm talking about when you're a believer and you're right with God and you're moving on, you're part of a local body, which everybody should be, then you know what? You have relationships that are strong. You have friends. You have people that will take a bullet for you. Now, some of you may not take a bullet in the head for me. You might take a bullet in the leg or something like that. But nonetheless, you'd still take a bullet for me. You have friends that will stand with you through thick or thin. You, you, uh, you realize that there is a, uh, a, a prosperity. Let me say it this way. There's a mental prosperity that we enjoy because we are right with God. In other words, we can look at things not like the world looks at it. We can look at it in a way, in a spiritual way because the carnal man has carnal understanding, but a spiritual man has spiritual discernment. And we can look at things and realize, make choices about things and say, you know what, I'm not going to get involved in that because that's going to mess me up. And a, to me, a person who is right with God can look at situations and realize that uh, there's something or another that's going off that warns me that I should not be a part of that. And I don't know what that is, but I know it's real. And you parents can look at your kids and your kids can come up with an idea because kids always come up with ideas. And they come up with odd things to say and they come up with, and they say, you know, I, I heard that so-and-so is doing this. And you can listen to that and somehow or another something goes off on the inside and you have just this assurance that that's not a good thing. And God gives us that. But I want to say one more thing that I believe that when it comes to your success, your success is really, really mostly based on the fact that the presence of God goes with you. Now, th- you've got to think about this. That any time in the Bible, you do the research, you go back and find any time where he says a phrase like, I will be with you. Be not afraid. Uh, you know, I will, I will go with you. I will, I will uh, be in the midst of you or whatever. Any time that God says that, 
It's related to something that God asks somebody to do. That's nigh unto impossible. When, uh, you know, you think of uh, uh, Joshua, for instance, taking the children of Israel into the promised land, right? And he says, uh, as I was with Moses, so will I be with you. I'm asking you to do something very great, to go possess a land that's filled with people that don't want you to possess their land. But you know what? That's not really their land. That's Father Abraham's land because I gave it to him, and I want you to go in and possess the land. That was not going to be an easy task. How many, how many are with me? But you know what? Joshua had this promise. He had this assurance that, hello, I'll be with you as I was with Moses. So will I be with you. And you go in and claim that land and every one of your footprints becomes possession and I'll be with you in there. God always says that on the pre, on the premise that there's something pretty tough coming up. But you know what? If I know he's with me, brother Aaron, it's going to get done. <laughs> It's going to get done. Why cry unto me? Speak and go forward. Remember what he said to Moses there? An army behind him, walls on either side, and a sea in front. And he says, why cry unto me? Remember, I'm with you. Now, speak the word and go forward over on dry land. And he does it. You know what? God gets him there. God gets him there because that's his promise. And it's a guarantee that you've been assigned uh, very often impossible things when God gives you the assurance of his presence God may be asking you to do something that's very difficult. <clears throat> God commissions you or he, he tasks you with something uh, that is out of the ordinary. Let me tell you, he never does it without giving you the power to do it within reach. He never, he never gives us anything that is beyond the scope of our power with him. And if his presence is with us, let me tell you, we don't have a thing to worry about. It's, it's a guarantee that whatever God has stated, even though it may be impossible to look at, it may be an impossible assignment, it's possible because he's with us. It's not possible because I've got to figure out how it's going to happen, but it's possible because he's with us. And remember, the important thing is that you know he's with you so that no matter where you go and no matter what you do and no matter what you've been assigned to do, or let me give you an example and say it this way, if we come to the end of the Gentile period and we've got to be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, how many of you want to tackle that on your own? None of us want to tackle that on our own. But you know what? I fear that without, I, I face that without fear because I know he's with me. And the God who brought me all the way to that point of changing my body, I believe that God is going to be with me at that point as well. He brought me all the way there. And at that point, he's going to be right there. And it won't be me trying to get over there. It'll be God ushering me into the kingdom because he's with me. I don't know how, but I just believe that God's got it under control. He's got it all under control. And he symbolized this in John where he said, I'm going to breathe on you now. And he says, I've been sent, now you're sent. Jesus was sent. Do you believe that he was sent? We just read it in the text here. How In 1 John chapter 3, he said, the purpose of God was manifest to do what? Break the power of the devil. Right? To destroy the power of the devil. That's what, that's what his job was. That's what his job is still to do, is to destroy the power that tries to destroy you. The power that tries to pull you down, that's the power that, uh, that he is sent to destroy. So we really don't have a thing to worry about. Now, I, 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 oh, sorry, all of this is review, um, and I, I kind of got to where we left off last time. When the enemy attacks a believer and makes it hard for him to respond in faith, then what do we do then? Because that's the situation that very often we find ourselves in. 
And then, of course, when you have a person who refuses to agree with the word of the hour, when the word of the hour is made plain and they refuse to agree with it, what happens to that person? Well, listen, God didn't intend you to be sick. Let's deal, let's deal with the first thing, okay? Let's deal with this thing on, on the left here. When the enemy attacks a believer and makes it hard for you to respond in faith or to stand up and be like Christ. Because sometimes it is hard, right? Situations are hard. Come on, listen, when the 10 spies crossed back over to Moses, they didn't bring back lies. Those giants were real. Those obstacles were real. They were not making up a story. They just weren't telling the whole story, but they were telling what they saw. They were telling what was real. And they said, there are big, big fellows over there, big dudes over there, and we don't want to mess with them. Hey, that was very true. Let me say something that's going to sound really strange to you. You can say things that in a sense sound wise. And it's really fear hiding behind it. Because they probably could have said, you know, it would be smart for us just to kind of lay low for a while and let these big guys die or let them get old. And then we'll take the land. But really, what was behind this whole conversation in the first place but a fear of going to take the land in the face of those giants? You'll never take your mountain out of fear. You'll never take your mountain through fear. You'll never take your mountain by holding back. You'll take your mountain by stepping out in faith. Believing, listen, believe, not recklessly. Brother Branham did not go down to Lincoln's or George Washington's graveyard and say, all right, watch what I'm going to do. He said, I'd go down if God sent me down here. In other words, if the presence of God is with me, it is unlimited as to what God can do. But if God doesn't send me, you better hold back. But if God sends me, there's not a thing in the world I need to be afraid of. The people, the ten spies, they looked at that land. They looked at the conditions. They were, they, were, they were looking at it and hesitating because of the circumstances that were there. And the whole, the whole conversation really had fear underneath it. At the basis of the conversation, it was all about fear because they didn't want to have to pursue that or face that on their own. And you know what? I don't blame them. But Joshua and Caleb were unimpressed with these giants. They didn't say, hey, listen, guys, there ain't no giant. They didn't say that. They just were unimpressed by those giants. Because, you know, Joshua said, this isn't our program. This isn't our journey. This, isn't our, uh, this is not where we led ourselves. But God led us here. This is God's vision. This is God's program. What have we got to fear if God's with us? Hey, listen, it might be tough, but if he's with us, what have we got to worry about? And so they were unimpressed with the things that they faced. Your giants will become smaller when you look at them through the eyes of a promise. When you look at your giants through the eyes of a promise, they become smaller because you realize God made that promise. God's going to honor his word. God's going to back it up. And I don't have a thing to worry about. Your giants will become smaller when you look at them through the eyes of a promise. That's the way we need to look at our giants. That's the way we need to look at the obstacles that we face here. Because Brother Bram said that God didn't intend you to be sick, but you have an enemy. Satan's against you, right? How many agree? That's not you're, not, you're not coming into the image of God when you're sick. You're not coming into, in, in, into, into a glorious position when you're sick. That's Satan trying to pull you out of that. 
That's Satan trying to distract you and pull you away from that. And that's not God's intent. So you're faced with, with, this, with this reality that I, I, I've got I to gotta fight to live. I've got to fight. Uh, you know, I've got to make my stand. I, I, thankfully, I have. if you have people around you that will pray for you when you don't feel like praying. Because isn't it true? Many times when you are real sick, you don't feel like praying. You don't feel like crying out to God. And, and, it's, and it's wonderful when, uh, you know, people around you will bear a burden for those that are uh, going through it. And my goodness, that's what the body of Christ is all about. Here's a woman that came to Brother Branham in the prayer line. And he says, you're nervous, aren't you? Extremely nervous. And he says, you've lost a lot of weight. And I see a lady standing before me that's much heavier than you. He's looking at the woman who's in front of him. And he said, I see you in the past. You're much heavier than, uh, than you are. And say, you're a minister or something like that in the word. He says, do you believe now? You're all tightened up all the time. And what is it? You got yourself in a strain. You started worrying long ago. And something happened as you got all tightened up. And he said, now that's nothing but the devil to try to hinder you. I mean, she's going through stuff, right? Remember on Wednesday night when I talked a little bit about, you know, the, the wounded spirit and how that there's actually a physical part of that. When somebody goes through a stress or a difficulty or a loss, they, your body will react to that. And here's a woman who's under a strain and a stress, and she's lost all kinds of weight, and here she is. I mean, she's in a prayer line, right? She's not, she's not well. She, if she was well, she wouldn't be in the prayer line. Somebody say amen. I hope you're all with me here. She's in the prayer line because she can't find a way over this here, and this is a problem. And she's a woman who is familiar with the Scripture. And here's Brother Branham looking at her, and he says, you're all tightened up all the time. You don't need to put your hand up. You don't need to acknowledge anything. You don't even need to wake up your neighbor. But how many of you can relate to this? You get so tight and so wound up. And you, you know, you, you just, you're, you're worried. You're cut, tied up in a knot constantly. There are seasons when you go through this. There are seasons all of us are subject to things like this. And he says, here you are. And you put yourself in a strain. And he said, so now all of a sudden now, she's probably, and I, I, I'm, we, we, we don't know all the conversation but she's probably thinking all kinds of things. Well, maybe I don't really have it. And, you know, Satan's tr- trying to tell her all kinds of lies about her and all the rest of it. And here's Brother Bram looking at her. He's not rebuking her because she's nervous. He's not giving her a diet plan to regain the weight she's lost. He's not even talking essential anything. Now he says, I, what I can see is a woman who's gone through a lot of things, and you've got a lot of worry and strain. Now, what's interesting is what he says next. He said, it's Satan trying to curse you and throw that before you. What are you supposed to do? You must not accept it. You just throw it down now and believe. Throw down what he's trying to lay on you. Take the things he's trying to throw on you, just throw it down and walk on. He said, that's Satan trying to throw, throw things before you. And when you throw things before somebody, you're trying to impede their progress, right? You're trying to block the way. And that's what Satan does. How many believe Satan does that? You all know what that feels like. You all know what that's all. You adults know what that's like. And then he prays for this woman here. He says, now, uh, thou demon, leave the woman. Come out from her in the name of Jesus Christ now. Will you accept it and go in rejoicing and get into the work of the Lord? The purpose of God was to destroy the works of the devil. Whatever way, whatever fashion, Satan's job is to come and and destroy. He is to tear down. He's to kill. He's to maim. He is to uh, tear. Right? That's what he does. And when you see that stuff, 
When you see that stuff, that's the imprint of Satan. Whether it's in your thinking, whether it's in your marriage, whether it's in your children, whether it's in the church, no matter where it is, that's the imprint of Satan. I'd say like this. If it's Satan trying to curse you, and you're taught well enough in the Word to know what's Satan and what's not, because there's only two, then you need to throw down the thing that's trying to hinder you and go forward in the name of Jesus Christ. Because that's the devil's purpose. There are times in our lives when things change. They change the whole course of your life. You, you can have the burning bush experience and it changes your life one way. And you can have the car accident that changes your life another way. Right? Or a bike accident or, you know, all kinds of accidents, right? Some of you have had accidents. And there are things that happen that change the course of life. And he said we're all aware certain things take place among life's journey that changes the whole course of life for us. And nothing's going to be the same ever, ever, ever again after that happens here. I want to leave you with this thought here, and we'll, we'll pick it up again. But he says, I believe this is communion 1962. He says, I believe that, that it's the coming in of the issue of God and the great revelation is going to be opened in the word. And he's, you know, he's just signaling to us in this pre-communion moment that you know, this, is, this is where we're headed, folks. This is where he's taking us. He's taking us to a new understanding. He's taken us to a new vision of himself. He's taken us to an unveiling. And he's just standing there in front of, you know, the communion service. It's only short. But he's just talking to the people and he says, "I, I believe this is the coming in of the issue, the coming in of the king. And, uh, I gotta tell you a funny story. How there was a, I don't know if you've ever seen any of the pomp and pageantry that goes on in the British Parliament. And uh, I noticed the Queen the other day. It was a big shock to the whole world where the Queen went to open up the Welsh Parliament in Wales, in Cardiff, and came and used a cane. She's 90-something years old, and she used a cane. First time publicly ever used a cane. The whole world gasped. But when, when the queen comes to open up your parliament, that's a big deal, and they have a great lot of pageantry and, and ceremony, and everybody decks out, and it's just an extraordinary thing. And there was a story told of a, 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 a British politician whose name was Neil Haversham. That was his name, Neil Haversham. And he was taking a group of students through the parliament buildings and... Uh, walking around and showing them this place, Neil Haversham, and he was showing all the kids the different things that were in the parliament, and they were all impressed by that. And it happened to be the time of the opening of the parliament, and so the sergeant-at-arms came through. Now, the sergeant-at-arms is dressed in one of those really big hats and has all the fancy medals and decorations on his jacket, long, flowing jacket. And, I mean, he looks like an awesome figure when he comes through. And as the sergeant-at-arms was coming down the hallway, happened to be when Neil was coming up with all of the kids who were there, teenagers that were coming up the other way, the sergeant-at-arms shouted out, Neil! And, of course, all the kids dropped to their knees, right? It's the coming of the king. 
Brother Branham's telling us there's something coming. You need to be ready now. The opening of the revelations of the word. Hey, they had revelations all through the <coughs> church ages. Right? You believe Martin Luther had a revelation? John Wesley, all those, the Pentecostals, they had revelations all through the, but now this is the issuing in of God. This is the issue of God. I'm just using his words here. The great revelations of the word opened this time. These are the things that were hidden and sealed and bound, and now they're coming open to you. <clears throat> 1960 you. From here forward now, this is, where, this is what's coming. It's coming for you. And if God ever sends his power to the church, it'll be her works. It'll be her discipline. It'll be her giving. It'll be her faithfulness. No. If God ever gives his power to the church, it'll be his grace. You know, I, I'm, I'm so glad this statement is there. I'm so glad that we got it. Because it won't be the obedience of the people. It won't be the obedience of the young people. It won't be the obedience of the ministers. Come on. It won't be the obedience of the congregations. If God ever sends anything for us, the power that we need. Look, <clears throat> you have, God has given us power. God has given us an authority. But I will tell you this, that your, your power rests in your commission. Your power rests in the commission that God's given you. Look, in other words, let me say it this way. If I'm a policeman, I have a certain amount of power and authority, right? I, I can do a number of things. But I can't go build a house without getting a permit from the city. Just because I have power in one area doesn't mean I have a power in another area. But if God sends us to do something, if God empowers you, for instance, to be a pastor or to preach the gospel, you have an authority in that position. You have a power in that position. Like Paul said, I have power to lead a woman astray. He says, I can do that with my words. There's a certain power that comes. There's a certain uh, authority that you have inherent in the position or the commission that God's given to you. But outside of that, you can get in trouble when you abuse that authority or that power. So when God gives us a promise, remember now, when God gives us a promise, it is his way of saying, it, embedded in the promise is the power for that promise to come to pass. And if you embrace that promise, there's something in it that will help that promise work for you and get you to where I want you to be. To cause to happen what I have prophesied or promised to give to you. Hey, promises are wonderful things. And that's why when David ran out on the field to destroy that giant, he ran out there with a promise in view that he was going to be the next king of Israel. And he had authority and he had power against the giant because he was operating within that commission that God had given him. You're going to be the next king. Does that make sense? All right. So if we are this group of people that he's talking about here, that God ever sends his power to the church, Despite the fact that we don't always obey, despite the fact that we don't always do well with, with what God's told us to do, despite the fact that we are full of mistakes and all of us would agree to that, God gives his power to the church anyway because of his grace. 
not because of the obedience. And that doesn't give you an invitation to disobey because I'm going to get the power anyway. That's not the attitude we should have. We should say, Lord, help me obey better. Help me obey more. Help me be more sensitive. And, and Lord, I, I, don't want to ha- I don't want you to have to give it to me because of my disobedience. Lord, I, I want to be right there on the... I, I want to know my position. I want to be able to stand there because knowing our position is the precursor to the rapture taking place and the bride leaving here. And all creation is groaning and waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. And Lord, give me that desire not to be disobedient, but to be obedient to your will. And if God sends anything to us, it'll be his grace, not our merits. And, and that's why, saints of God, we act the way we do, because we know that if God's given us promises of inheriting the land and inheriting that kingdom and inheriting that body that he's promised for us, there is nothing can hold us back. There's nothing can hinder us if we have that promise. And within that, there should be nothing we fear. Because we're looking, at, we're looking at the outcome through the eyes of a promise. And the obstacles between here and there become smaller when you're looking at it through the eyes of a promise. Let's stand to our feet. Why shouldn't we worship him? Why shouldn't we praise him and thank him and, and, and give him glory? Because when you think about what God has done, when you think about the fact that he promised to be with you even in you until the very end of the way, we have something, we have something very special. We have something very great, I think, that God's placed within our hearts. And God burns within us. I think we have something that's really powerful. But we have to operate that power. We have to operate within that commission that God's given to us so that we can know exactly what steps to take. And I'll tell you what, uh, Satan might throw everything he possibly can at you, but he just can't stop you. He just can't stop you. He just can't. He just, he, he, he might try to be creative. He might try to stay up late at night, try to figure out ways to hinder us and throw things in front of us. But you know what? For the, for the people of God, they just keep coming anyway. I mean, they just, they just, they just believe that that promise is mine. And uh, I, I'm going to get it, whether I get it because I do everything right or because God gives it to me, uh, not because of the obedience of the people, but because of his grace. You know what? We're, we're going to make it one way or the other. I, I just, I'm excited about this. Every praise uh, is to our God. So, I mean, that's, that's what we do. We, we should praise God. In the midst of the battle, in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of whatever you're going through, I think we should be quick to praise God. I think we should be quick to, to give Him honor and glory. Let's sing it this morning. Every praise is to our God. Every word of worship, one accord. Every praise, every praise is to our God. Hallelujah to our God. Glory, hallelujah. Oh, every praise, every praise is to our God. He's God, my Savior. God, my Yes, he is. Yes, he is. God, my Savior. God, my healer. He's God, my deliverer. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Every praise is to our God. And every word of worship, Makirian. 
every praise, every praise is to our God. Sing it now. Let's worship Him this morning. To our God, yes, every praise, every praise is to our God. My Savior. God, my healer, God, my deliverer, yes, he is, yes, he is, God, my Savior, God, my healer, he's God, my deliverer, yes, he is, yes, he is. my mind made up and I won't turn back cause I want to see my Jesus someday I've got my mind made up and I won't turn back because I want to see my Jesus someday oh goodbye world I say so long to you by pleasures of sin I made up my mind to go God's way the rest of my life I made up my mind to go God's way the rest of my life one more time I got my mind made up and I won't turn back cause I want to see my Jesus well, I got my mind made up, and I won't turn back. See my Jesus someday. So goodbye, world. I say so long to you. Goodbye, pleasures of sin. The rest of my life, I made up my mind to go God's way the rest of my life. Glory to God. I got a revelation of predestination. Same key. Same key. I've got a revelation of predestination. I've got a revelation. God is my Father. Well, I know where I came from. Tells me where I'm going. And the gates of hell can never prevail against it. Because I got a rest. Sing it now. A predestination. I've got a revelation. God is my Father. So I know where I came from. Tells me where I'm going. And the gates of hell never prevail again. One more time. Sing it now. Yes, I got a revelation. Take it. Oh, I've got a revelation. God is my Father. And I know where. 
So take up your cross and follow Jesus. Gonna take up my cross every day. Don't be ashamed. And take up the cross and follow Up your cross and follow Jesus. Take up my cross every day. Don't be ashamed to say that you know Him. Down. Sing it again now, one more time. Glory. Up your cross and follow Jesus. Take up your cross every day. Don't be ashamed. Say that you know Him. Count the cost. Take up your cross and follow. Glory to God. <laughs> Glory to God. Amen. I'll tell you what, if you know God's with you, you can face a lot of things in life. If I know, if I know he's going to be there, if I know he's going to be ahead of me, I, we can face a lot of things in life. We really don't need to, to worry. We really, uh, worry is, is, hides all over the place. Worry gets in, in the way of all kinds of things. But I will tell you something, that if you know he's with you, and you can face your Red Sea. You can face your giant. All those simple things. But you know what? Now it's come down to the time where we've got to face some stuff. We're living in a world that's throwing more things at us probably than any other age. So we've got to get used to being faced with things. So this is, the, this is the teaching that precedes that. Because I think that we're living in a time where change comes even more rapidly than it used to come. So yeah, you got to use discernment. Yeah, you got to use wisdom, and you got to use, uh, you know, the word of God as your sword. And you got to walk by faith because it's not always obvious by sight what it is that's going on. But God is good; He's faithful. That's for sure. God is good all the time. Let's sing that this evening here. What? And I don't know what key you're in there. God is good all the time. Put a song of praise in this. Heart of mine, God is good all the time. We'll shine, God is good. God is good all the time. Thank you, Jesus. Well, if you're walking through the valley.
so you can clap your hands this morning. He came to destroy the works of the enemy so you can have joy and peace today. He destroyed all of that, that darkness, so you can walk in the light. Know where you're going in this world. You know where this is leading. You know where this is heading to. The world's out there groping around and wondering what's next and wondering who will we elect. My goodness, can't wait till the next election. I'll tell you what, I'm glad my election is over. It's over. It's been over a long time. I'm excited about where this is taking us. I'll tell you that. And you know what? When you get a room full of people that all have that same common testimony, you get a room full of people that believe that way. Hey, listen, we ought to raise the rafters here and sing in this. There shouldn't be a chain that binds us. There shouldn't be a, a, a you know, a, a thought that holds you back. There shouldn't be a rock in your way. But I believe that there's a power within the church. We're not trying to be like Brother Branham, not trying to be like somebody we're not. But you know what? I know who we are. We are the bride of Christ. We're the wife of the king. There is power in the name of Jesus. Yes, there's power in the name of Jesus. There is power. Jesus to break every 
that again now. There's power. There is power in the name of Jesus. Glory. There is power in the name of Jesus. I know there's power in the name of my Jesus. Break every chain. Break every chain. Break. Put your chain right there now. Put it right there. Sing it again. There is power in the name of Jesus. Jesus doesn't give chains. Jesus doesn't bind us with chains. Jesus is a chain breaker. He's a chain breaker. Let him break that chain around you today. Chain, break every chain, break every chain. Oh, there's an army rising up. There's an army. Put yourself in that army now. I mean that army. I mean that The chain breaker is in me. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, we give you praise and honor, dear Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We give you praise and glory. Oh, there's a power in the name of my Jesus. There's a power in the name of Jesus. I know there's power in the name of Jesus. our heads together, close your eyes and believe this every chain that was ever made was to hold something down every chain that was ever made was to bind people, every chain that exists in this world is Satan trying to hold somebody with something, but I believe today the chain breaker is here I believe the chain breaker is in me you got to believe that the chain breaker is in you and whatever chain it is that holds you, I pray today you would reach out based on the authority given to you as a child of God and a member of the bride of Christ, proceeding in the glory, proceeding into that kingdom, that there's no chain going to hold me back. There's no chain going to bind me anymore. But by God's grace, we're going to cast down that chain because the chain maker is in me. The chain breaker exists today. Heavenly Father, we stand together, Lord, as a believing people. And Lord, in this atmosphere today, I believe you're able to break any chain. I believe, Lord, you're able to cast down anything that holds your people back. Satan would try to throw things down. National power is trying to move things around. None of that is for us. None of that is our part. None of that is designed to move us. 
Lord, I believe it's the power of God that's moving the bride in the glory. Father, may every chain that holds your people back, may it be broken in the name of Jesus Christ. There may be somebody here today struggling with some habit or addiction or some power or some, something that they, they have heard Satan tell them they need. Lord, I pray that they would break that chain right now in faith in the name of Jesus Christ and cast it down. And Lord, there might be nothing that hinders us, nothing that holds us back. Lord, may it happen. Lord, may we have victory among us. May there be a shout of victory in the camp. And Lord, may your Holy Spirit come in a real way. Lord, we don't want to get caught up in this world's battles. We don't want to be caught up in this world's struggles, Lord. But Father, we have one one vision, one destiny, and that is a kingdom that is meant for us. Lord, may our sights be skewed and, and focus, Lord, straight on to that goal. Have your way among us, Lord. Hear the meekest cry among us today, Lord. And I pray you'd bring deliverance where it's needed. I commit the people to you, Lord, believing, O oh God, that you do care about where we are, what we're going through. Lord Jesus, how we give you thanks and praise. Heal every sick body. Heal everyone, Lord, that's going through a difficult season. And Lord, reaching out to you today for deliverance and strength. Those that need and seek peace. Lord, I pray that you would just be gracious to them. Our hope is in you, Lord. Our trust is in you. Our confidence is in you as a great general. We commit our ways to you. In Jesus' name and for your glory, we pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. <laughs> I, don't, you're, you're, I don't know, something about what you, the, way you're, the way you're worshiping and the way you're, uh, the way you're thinking there. You're not letting me go. So let's sing another song. You are my strength when I am weak. You're my all in all. Let's sing that this morning here. You ready for one more? Let's sing one more. Hey, I'll tell you what. For those of you that are going to come back to the communion service tonight, just hold the spirit of worship, okay? Don't lose it in the restaurant. But come back, bring it back, and we'll worship a little bit tonight. You are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I see. You are my all in all. I'd be a fool. You are my all. Jesus, you're the Lamb of God. Worthy is your name. Jesus. Sing that chorus again now. Jesus, you're the Lamb of God, and worthy is your name. Jesus, Lamb of God, 
sin, my cross, my shame. Rising again, I bless your name. You are my all in all. When I fall down, pick me up. Yes. 